Welcome to the Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. We're glad you can join us as Pastor Dane Skelton shares a weekly message to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. Here's Pastor Dane. Last week we talked about um, the prayer that God answers, and we studied the prayer of a successful man, and we were talking about David, when he had been settled in his throne and his kingdom was secure all the way around and his prayer of thanksgiving and his talk with God uh, when he wanted to build God a tabernacle, a, a temple. And I thought, well, I can't, I can't talk about the prayer that God answers without talking about the prayer that God doesn't answer. So today we're going to talk about when God doesn't answer. And when I was trying to think of the way to introduce this, the best thing that I can think of was the thing that happens to every pastor on the planet, and that is people come to him and ask their questions in a crisis. They'll come to a pastor in a crisis and they'll ask their questions, and their questions generally come in four categories. And so I thought that these, these questions from a lady named Martina Phillips who was at this time a mom with a wayward son, were pretty good examples. And so at this time, she hadn't seen her son for four years. And she comes and she was asking these questions. Number one is why, number two is where, number three is what, and number four is how. Why? Why is it so hard to accept that this might be part of the master's plan, that my son might be gone for four years? Why is it so hard to accept that it might be part of God's plan. Why do the happy parents never ask about the unhappy ones? Why do children see loving parents as their enemies? I can remember when that happened. Why are these children choosing the wrong path first? Why are they so selfish? And then where? Where's all this chaos going? Where are the answers? Where's the glimmer of hope? Where are the others who needed to walk alongside? And then what? What is the parent of a wayward child to do? What does a parent do to dispel her fears? What next? What can I say? What can I do? And then how? How does a parent who has prayed daily deal with the rebellion of a child? How does a loving parent accept the rejection of her offspring? How does a parent keep from giving up Hope. Now, if, you're a, if you were a prodigal growing up, that's what you did to your parents. And mom would say amen if she were here. Um, if you are a parent, you may have a child or children who've been through that. But this is not just for parents and for kids. These same four questions apply across the board in life. Uh, these kinds of questions are the questions people ask when they've had an unfaithful spouse. These are the kinds of questions people ask when they've had unfair treatment on a job. These are the kinds of questions people ask God when they've lost a child. One of the earliest experience of Faith Community Church when I was here as a pastor was in 2002, for, uh, in February of 2002. And as, as a preface to that, for practically all of 2001 and the first couple of months of 2002, Shelly Ramsey had been leading a small group called Mom's Prayer Group. It was a Mom's Mops, 
moms of prayer, preschoolers, moms of preschoolers, but there was moms of preschoolers meeting to pray. And it had gone on at least a year, maybe two years prior to February uh, 23rd, 2002, and her oldest son, Joseph, was killed in a car wreck. You can't answer those questions. These are the kinds of questions when people ask God about and if they or a family member have an unexplained illness. There's just no explanation for it. But as the weeks turn into years, the greatest question that people ask God comes from the heart of King David again. Psalm 13, verses 1 through 4. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long? Will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. So what David wrote there in Psalm 13, and you could find it all over the book of Psalms, really, Psalm 6 and others, every Christian is familiar with the pain and the agony of unanswered prayer. It's one of the greatest challenges that we face in our walk with Christ. So let me give you a little proverb that I made up little saying that I made up, and I'll, I'll encourage you to write it down because this will help you no matter what you're facing. The value of the answers we get depends upon the quality of the questions we ask. The value of the answers we get depends upon the quality of the questions we ask. And so over the years, I've learned five high-quality questions to ask ourselves about unanswered prayer. Five high-quality questions to ask ourselves about unanswered prayer. And the first is, is God listening? And the answer is yes. Is God even paying attention to us? Isn't he kind of busy running the universe? Is he tired of us? Has he turned his back on his creatures? King David asked this same question at many times in many different ways. Psalm 10, verse 1 why, O oh Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? It's like David couldn't find God at the moment of his greatest need. You ever been there? Psalm 74, verse 11. Why do you hold back your hand, your right hand? Take it from the folds of your garment and destroy my enemies. It's, it's like, what are you doing? You're standing there with your hands in your pockets when you're the most powerful being on earth or in the universe. At other times, David speaks as though God may have his fingers in his ears. Psalm 28.1, To you, O Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. And these are worship songs. <laughs> I read, I've been just skimming through a book on the Psalms this past week, and if you don't understand the Psalms, the Psalms are the worship hymnal of Israel and of the church down through the centuries, one of the, one of the tasks, one of the duties of the Psalms is to arouse passions and emotions in us that we've stifled, that we can't feel anymore. So that was one of their purposes. 
So let's ask this question again. Is God listening to us? Well, is he able to hear? Is he willing? Does he desire to hear us? So let's look back at the scriptures. Psalm, eight, Psalm 6, rather, verses 8 through 10, David says, Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. Yes, he hears. Yes, he's listening. Yes, he sees my weeping. Psalm 10, verse 14 and 17. But you, O God, do see trouble and grief. You see it. You consider it and you take it into hand. The victim commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. You hear, verse 17, O Lord, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. So what David cries out in anguish in the early parts of his prayers, he answers with faith later on. If you look down in Psalm 13, if you have it turned, if you've turned to it, the last two verses, verse 5 and 6, he turns the corner on his prayer. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Psalm 65, verse 5. You answer us with awesome deeds of righteousness, O God our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and the farthest seas. So what's David saying to us? This is what he's saying. God is not hiding. He has not turned away. He does not have his hands in his pockets or his fingers in his ears. He is watching. He is listening intently and with sovereign purpose in our lives. So what do we do with this, though? We're still not hearing an answer. And there was something else that I learned uh, a long time ago, we won't turn there, but I just call it heaven's time delay. My air conditioner froze up again this weekend. It hasn't happened in a couple of years. It always happens in the middle of the night. It hasn't, hasn't happened to you that way. It happens in the middle of the night on the hottest day, right? You're trying to sleep. And so I got up, I saw that it was frozen. And what we learned several years ago was that my air conditioner anyway has this thing on it up in the air handler in the attic. It has this little device. It's, it's a relay switch. And I don't know what the technical name of it is, but I call it the delay relay. And that's because it's an efficiency thing, you know. So the compressor comes on down on the ground outside and it waits 10 or 15 seconds before the fan kicks on because it doesn't want to blow hot air from the uncooled evaporator coils into your house. And so it waits. And if that delay relay stops working, then the fan doesn't come on fast enough and the whole evaporator freezes up and then you don't get any air. And it works in reverse the other way. So my delay relay had a hiccup this weekend. It worked fine the rest of the weekend, just that one time in the middle of the night. It turns out that with our prayers, there's sort of a delay relay. And in Revelation chapter 8 reveals something, and it's hard for us to comprehend this, but the seventh seal of judgment has just been broken open. And right after it's broken open, it says, there is silence in heaven for about half an hour. All the music and the worship of heaven stops for about a half an hour. And a single angel 
with a golden censer moves up to the altar and the censer, it says, is filled with the incense that represents the prayers of all the saints. Now, we're not an incense burning church, but I, I guess you've probably seen one or maybe you visited one before where the, the priest walks and he's got this, it's called a censer, and he's waving this incense censer and it'll fill the area with smoke. And that smoke is to represent the prayers of all the people before the throne of God. And where the prayers are done and the incense is gone, then the angel fills the censer with coals from the altar and he hurls it upon the earth. And then the result of that is thunder, thunder rumbles and lightning flashes and earthquakes follow across the earth. And all of this is in response to the prayers of the people on earth, but there was a delay. Now, in heaven, in, in Revelation, we're just given to understand that it was 30 minutes. But you know what the New Testament says, uh, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. We have no idea what kind of time this really represents. All we're to, it's, it's just a picture for us. And all we're supposed to do is take away from this picture is we pray. We may pray a lot. We may fill heaven's altar with smoke, the smoke of our prayers. But there will be a delay to the answer. And, all, and here, here's the other side of this picture, though. All of heaven stops to listen to those prayers. So did you get that? There's all this worship. There's glorifying God going on. There's all this power and glory. And everything stops for heaven to listen to your prayers and our prayers as the people of God. They are immensely powerful, even if they are delayed. Walter Wink said it like this, History belongs to the intercessors, those who believe and pray the future into being. Keep praying. Jesus said, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. There may be a time delay from our point of view, but heaven is listening. Okay, so he's listening. The Bible says he's listening. But am I listening? Am I listening to and obeying what I hear? Am I walking in obedience to God? You see, we need to ask ourselves some tough questions. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Now that cherished is just like this. I have a cat. Now my daughter has a cat too. And my daughter with her cat, she's, oh, sweet cat. He's a big, fat cat. He's huge. And she just... She coos over him. She talks to him like he's a little bitty baby. I don't, I don't treat my cat like that. I have a wheelie cat. Whenever I walk up, she pops a wheelie so I can pet her. And I talk to her like this. And she follows me. But I do cherish my cat because I let her come inside at night. And I put her downstairs and I give her some extra food. That's mostly so she'll stay down there and so I have time to escape the basement and close the door. But I cherish her because I let her come in when it's cold. 
That's cherishing. So here's the question. And this is the question that, that the psalmist is asking, really. Am I cherishing a sin down in my heart? Do I make a special place for it in the basement of my life so that it can stay there and only come out when I want to pet it? That's the gist of this. Because if that's the case, God's not going to answer that one. He's not going to answer. There's a couple of others. Proverbs 21, 13. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. James 4, 2 through 3. You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend it on what you get, spend what you get on your pleasures. So there, there's several ways we need to ask ourselves, look, am, am I obeying what God has told me to do? Am I cherishing some sin down inside of me? If that's the case, God's not listening. There's a big difference. Jim Somera in a book called God Told Me says there's a big difference between a Christian who has irregular, discouraging slips into disobedience that are quickly repented of and a Christian who persists in blatant, unrepentant refusals to obey God. Suppose you wanted to sit down with the owner of the small company you work for, and you wanted to get some career advice. Tuesday is your appointed meeting day. When Tuesday arrives, you're late by an hour for no good reason. And the owner is agitated. He's been waiting for you, yet in general, he thinks you're a pretty good employee, so it's safe to say that before he would share his career advice with you, you should genuinely apologize for being late. Do that. Things are going to be okay. He's going to give you his advice. If, on the other hand, you are not a good employee and you've been recklessly embezzling money from the company and the owner knows it, you should not expect him to share career advice with you. <laughs> the only advice you should expect from him is, Stop stealing money and make restitution. So it's the same way with God. If we're to receive guidance from God, we must apologize for the disobedience currently in our lives. But habitual, unrepentant sin will render God silent except for one word. Repent. Turn around. Stop this behavior. Throw that cat out. So we got to ask ourselves some tough questions. You know, for a mom, maybe like that lady in the, in the introduction, have I made this child an idol? Is the child's approval so important to me that I cannot tell her no and enforce it? I need to repent of that. What about for the poor? Have I hardened my heart against poor, uneducated People who are often quite foolish and get themselves into trouble because they're often quite foolish. Have I hardened my heart against them and refused to help them? Well, guess what, gang? Poor people are often quite hard-headed and foolish. God says, don't harden your heart toward them. That's disobedience. What about James? What James says, have I checked my motives? In other words, am I praying narcissistic prayers? Am I praying only about me and how it's going to affect me? 
Okay, that's all too convicting. So let's throw those cats out. Is God listening? Yes. Am I walking in obedience? Let's say yes. A third important question we have to ask when our prayers are being unanswered is, am I praying according to God's will? I have some really good news for you for this. Because at first, when you say that, you say, well, how do I know if I'm praying according to God's will? Well, for one thing, search the scriptures. I mean, that's important. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. So how do I know that I'm praying according to God's will? I have some really, really good news. Can you find Romans 8.27? Romans 8.27. We were in Romans in the men's group, and I'm jumping ahead in chapter 8. But I saw this when I was reading... Uh, Saturday morning, and I had forgotten about it. Romans 8, 27, he's talking about the Spirit. Verse 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we're to pray for. The Spirit intercedes for us with groans and words that cannot, we cannot express. And verse 27, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Whoo! I'm so glad. Because most of the time, I don't know what God's will is. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to guide my prayers and guide my groans and give vocabulary to my groans. Galatians 5, 16, walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Real quickly, yielded to God's will, Romans 12, 1. Offering up my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It's my reasonable act of worship, yielded to God's will, instructed by God's word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, correction, training, and rebuke, so that the man of God may be equipped uh, to walk in righteousness. Third, am I being obedient to God's commands? Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 15 and 16, If you obey me, I will talk to the Father, and he will send the Spirit, and he will be with you forever. So that's what it means to walk in the Spirit. And we can count on the fact that if we are trusting him, if we're being obedient, if we're uh, willingly uh, yielding our wills to him, if we're having our minds informed by his word, we can trust that we're walking in the Spirit, but then we have to deal with this. God's answers are not the same every time, even when we are right directly in the middle of His will. They're not the same. Back in 2001, war going on in Afghanistan, two female Christian missionaries to the country were arrested for trying to convert a Muslim to Christ. They could have faced the death penalty, there was a massive prayer effort and a political campaign that were released. Shortly after that, they were interviewed by a popular Christian broadcaster, and this broadcaster was quoting verses like Psalm 91, 11, and 12. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift up your hands, lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Cool, great, God's in charge, he's answering prayers, he did just exactly like he's supposed to do. But almost at the exact same time, a few months before uh, this story came out, 
Some friends of mine working in Indonesia saw their work crushed and their Christian friends murdered by Muslim terrorists in Southeast Asia. They had prayed with the same faith, the same intensity, the same worldwide prayer support, but they had to evacuate and they got out by the skin of their teeth and they, saw, they heard and saw many of their Christian friends slaughtered. Here's what he said, and I think most of you will know. This was David Reeves in 2007. The God I worship is a rough-and-tumble, in-your-face kind of God who allows people to die in his service. Remember James, the brother of John? First martyr, second martyr after Stephen. The suffering is intense, but we cannot comprehend the glory that will be revealed at the end of it. In Hebrews it says, Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, stoned, sawed in two, put to death. But no matter the outcome of their prayers, they were all commended in the book of Hebrews for their faith. So the third high-quality question we need to ask ourselves when our prayers seem to be unanswered is, am I walking in the Spirit? Am I as willing to accept the hard parts of God's will as I am the easier parts? Am I willing to trust Him no matter what the earthly outcome? So, is God listening? Yes. Am I obedient? Well, maybe. <laughs> am I praying in concert with God's will? I'm trying to. Am I willing to suffer? Maybe. I may have to. Here's the fourth question. Is my timing in sync with God's? Is my timing in sync with God's? I was between jobs one time and doing some work as a mechanic, and a guy brought me his Camry, his Toyota Camry, and he said, I need the timing belt changed. Can you do this? He was a guy, a buddy in the church. This was in Georgia. I said, sure, I'll do it. I did the job. I cranked the car up. I took it for a test drive. It seemed a little hunky, but I don't know. It was running. I gave it back to the guy. He brought it back in a couple of days, and he said, Dane, this is not right. There's something wrong with this. And so I took it back in, and I, when I broke it all down, I realized I had got that timing belt off by one tooth. Now, it just so happened that a Toyota Camry in those days, if you did that, the engine would still run. Some engines that have to have timing belt replacements, they're called interference engines. If you get them off by one tooth, kiss the engine goodbye. I got lucky. Is my timing in sync with God's timing? Only time will tell. Because when we pray, we want an answer right now. And God's timing is usually quite different. But deeper down, His purpose is in it is greater as well and deeper. So you guys know the story of uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. In John chapter 11, the sister's prayer was, Lord, come right now, Lazarus is sick. But Jesus delayed, he stayed for two more days. Why? Was he angry with Lazarus? No. Was Lazarus somehow outside of his will? No. Was Lazarus being disobedient? Far as we know, not. Were his sisters? Far as we know, not. Was he unfeeling, had no compassion? For the sisters or for Lazarus. No, he loved those people. They were very close. 
Had he decided they just weren't worthy of the attention, he had bigger things to do? No, none of that. When God doesn't answer our prayers, those are some of the things that we think. God's mad at me. I'm, I'm out of his will. You know, stuff like that. God doesn't care. I'm unworthy of his compassion. None of that is true. None of it. Jesus delayed because God had a higher purpose in allowing Lazarus to die. The sisters wanted Christ to overcome sickness. Jesus overcame death. So by accepting God's timing, or accepting God's timing rather, it can be very difficult to do. We usually see the purpose, if we see it at all, in hindsight. So when your prayers aren't getting an immediate response, ask God, is my timing off? So is God listening? Yes. Am I obeying? Maybe. Am I praying in concert with God's will? I think so. Am I in sync with God's timing? Only time will tell. And fifth, is God's idea of a good answer different from mine? Usually. <laughs> Usually. I don't often recommend Garth Brooks, but he does have one good song. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayer. You remember the story of the paralytic man and his four friends in Mark chapter 2? Now Jesus is teaching, he's in Peter's house, a standing room only, crowds blocking all the doors and windows. The guys take him up on the mud roof, they hack the roof away, hack a hole in it, lower him down. Do you think those men knew exactly what they wanted from Jesus? Sure. They want their friend to be healed. He heals all these other people's uh, people. Drop him down there. He'll heal him. He'll stand up and walk. Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiving. Can you see those guys saying, what? What did, what did he say? All the people in the room are saying, what? That is not what we wanted him to do. But Jesus saw a need that went deeper than paralysis in the man. He needed his sins forgiven. He also saw a need in the crowd. They needed to understand that he had the power to do this and only God has the power to do this. So he makes a testimony to those people just by saying, son, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees needed to see that. We're all familiar with Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways. We need to say that just about every day when we get up. <laughs> my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. How quick we are to think we know how God should answer our prayer. So if you're not getting the answer you are looking for in your prayers, it could be time to ask God if you're looking for the wrong answer.
Barbara Brown Taylor is a very gifted writer, and she tells this story several years ago. She told, told this story. said, several summers ago, I spent three days on a barrier island where loggerhead turtles lay their eggs. And one night while the tide was out, I watched a huge female heave herself up on the beach to dig her nest and drop her eggs into it while the slow salt tears fell from her eyes. Afraid of disturbing her, I left before she had finished her work, but returned the next morning to see if I could find the spot where her legs were hidden, her eggs were hidden in the sand. She said, I couldn't find the nest. It was totally obscured, but I found her tracks and they were going the wrong way, away from the water, back up into the dunes. So I followed her track back up into the dunes, already hot as asphalt in the morning sun. Little ways inland, I found her exhausted and all but baked, her head and her flippers caked with dried sand. I poured water on her. I covered her with sea oats. I fetched a park ranger who came back with a jeep to rescue her. Now think about, isn't this great? Here comes the park ranger. He's going to rescue the turtle. What picture do you have in your head? I watched in horror. He flipped her over on her back, wrapped the tire chains around her front legs, hooked the chains to the trailer hitch on his Jeep, and took off, yanking her body forward so fast that a, her open mouth filled with sand and then disappeared underneath her as her neck bent so far back I thought it would break. The ranger hauled her over the dunes, down onto the beach, and I followed the path that the prow of her shell made through the sand. At the ocean's edge, he unhooked her, turned her right side up, and she laid motionless in, motionless in the surf while it lapped at her body. And slowly it washed the sand from her eyes, making her skin shine again. And then a particularly large wave broke over her, and she lifted her head slightly, moving her legs as she did. And as I watched, she revived, and every fresh wave brought her life back until one of them made her light enough to get a foothold and push off back out into her natural element. And watching her swim slowly away, I remembered the nightmare ride through the dunes, and I noted that it is sometimes hard to tell whether you are being killed are being saved by the hands that turn your life upside down. Does God care? Yes. Am I obedient? Maybe. Am I praying according to God's will? Well, if I'm walking in the Spirit, I am. If I'm searching the Scriptures, I am. Is my timing in sync with God's? Only time will tell. Is my idea of an answer the same as God's? Not usually. The value of the answers you get depends upon the quality of the questions you ask. Ask good questions. Probably the greatest unanswered prayer that was ever prayed was, My God, 
my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken for three days. And then the answer changed the whole universe. Never give up praying and trusting and waiting and watching and obeying. And if you're here today and you're one of those who has never said, I will obey, I will believe, I'm going to turn around, I give you my life, take this opportunity now. When he prayed that prayer on that cross, he was praying it on all our, our behalf, including you. He will welcome you into his kingdom with a simple word from you. Lord, help me, I believe. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, so much for this word. Thank you for your book. Where would we be without your book? Where would we be without your son who gave us your book? Because he is the Logos. What do you need to talk to the Lord about this morning? Take some time and do that. What do you need to ask him for? What do you need to confess? What do you need to repent of? Where, what do you need to let go to release to say, God, okay, this is your timing, not mine. Take a minute and do that. Now, Father, we thank you again for all those men and women who have gone before us trusting you sometimes giving up their lives, not knowing what your answers were. Help us to ask the right questions. Help us to recognize your answers when they come. Help us to trust you when we never see them. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at fccsobo.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you, we love you, and we hope you have a wonderful week.